Well, today we are in week two of restraints, and we're talking about this because all of us need restraints, that you need restraints and I need restraints, that at some point along the way of life, every one of us needs to choose some personal restraints or to choose some personal boundaries, to make some decisions ahead of time before we get to the situations, before we get to the moments, before we get to the choices that ultimately will define our lives. Because if we don't, what we said last week is that all of us at some point along the way get restraint, that while, that while restraints are a choice, they aren't really optional. At some point along the way, if you live a life without restraints, something or someone will have to restrain you, that either you choose restraints or life will choose them for you. And what we said last week, that kind of goes a little bit opposite the way that we think, because we think, well, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. When we actually allow God and we allow Jesus Christ to, to lead and to guide our restraints and to lead us in the area of our personal restraints, we actually end up living more free. We actually end up with the most freedom when we allow Jesus to direct and to guide our restraints. And so that's kind of the backdrop of, of this series. Today and the next few weeks, we're going to kind of dive right in to some very specific areas where every single one of us need restraints. And today we're going to start by talking about the area of our friendships and our close relationships. Now, a few weeks ago, many of you know that my parents actually uh, contracted COVID-19 and they, and they went through all of the stuff that comes with that, along with that, all the isolation and the sickness and luckily not ever having to go to the hospital. And, and I just want to say to those of you guys who checked in and prayed for them and, 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 and did all of that and kept asking how they were doing, thank you so much for your prayers. Thank you so much for your concern. They're doing much better. They never had to go to the hospital. Um, they're mostly recovered, got a few lingering, you know, fatigue and cough and things like that, but they're doing much better and are, you know, really kind of back to, back to life as normal. Um, but as, as we were, as they were going through a lot of the stuff of COVID-19 and along, along the way, the sickness, you're, you're doing all the stuff, calling every day to check in and make sure they're doing all right and make sure no one's, you know, really in, in need of getting to a hospital, you know, like I could do anything from this far away, but you're know, doing all, all those daily check-in things. And I think it was on day three or four or day five, I don't remember what day it was we were, we were talking and my parents were filling filling me in on how they were doing and how they were feeling and what was going on and they were talking about how grateful they were for their for their friends and their and their co-workers and their friends from church who had who had called and had checked in and had offered to bring supplies and had already even brought supplies and had brought in Gatorade and had brought in food and had brought in some groceries and had offered and you know called and checked in and offered that if they ever needed a meal that they were more than happy to bring something by and leave it at a doorstep because you can't see anyone and all and all, all those things and so they were telling me how grateful they were and they said it's so good to know that we have so many good friends. And I remember at, at that moment, I just, for some reason in my head, in my dark moments of, of humor, I said, well, do you have any friends who have offered that if things get really bad, they'll come help by putting you down? And my, my parents got real nervous and they're like, uh, no, no, we haven't had that. And I just dead into the phone said, well, then you don't have any real friends because a real friend would offer that in a dark moment of humor. And in that moment, I just remember my dad started laughing and then my dad started coughing. And then I worried that my joke was going to kill my dad, which is not the first time that I have worried that one of my jokes would kill my dad. And so I, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is what's going to do it. Like COVID-19 is not going to do him, but my joke along with COVID. Like, and so anyway, my dad's great. My dad didn't die because of my joke or because of COVID-19. But I wanted to let you know that sometimes wife's family conversations on the phone get a little bit dark. Now, on that dark note, here's what we all know. Friendships are a part of life. 
Friendships are a part of life. Friendships should be a part of your normal human interactions. In fact, if friendships and important relationships aren't a part of your normal human interactions, something has actually gone wrong and something has gone seriously wrong because from the very beginning, God said it is not good for man and it is not good for mankind to be alone. We were made for interaction with other people, made for community with others, made for not just knowing people at some passing distance, but actually knowing people on a close, personal basis on a close personal level. What we also know is this, our friends have incredible power and influence in our lives. Isn't that right? That friends can be an incredible force for good and unfortunately, friendships can be an influential force that leads us down some dark, wrong roads into some wrong places. This is why when you were in middle and high school, your parents freaked out and overreacted anytime your friendships changed, anytime you started hanging out with someone new, and they, they wanted to know who you were hanging out with and who you were spending time with. This is, this is why they freaked out about that. This is because they understood that your friendships actually matter, that your friends have an incredible amount of influence in your life and can lead you to some great places or can lead you to some dark places. This is what I remember growing up. My parents, I had such trust and such lenience when I was spending time with my, with my church friends. And when we were doing out, out, out doing stuff with them, like there was very little times of curfew. There was very little asking of what was going on because they trusted that these were good, solid friends. But I also remember that there were times where I, the very few times where I had, you know, interactions and was going to spend time with, with my non-church friends. And my, and all of a sudden that trust and that lenience just eroded overnight. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, don't my parents trust me? Oh my gosh, what happened? Don't my parents trust me? And their trust had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with who I was hanging out with and the fact that they didn't know the people that I was hanging out with. This is why, this is why our parents you know, in middle school and high school freaked out. This is why you as a parent now freak out about who your kids are hanging out with because you understand that in the lives of children, in the lives of middle school and high school students, they, that these friends have incredible power and that a new friend that you don't know, you don't necessarily know where they're going to take your friends and what direction they're going to lead your children. This is why you as a parent freak out because when it comes to our children, we know that this is true, that friendships have an incredible force for good, but also have an incredible potential for darkness or for, or for leading to some of the wrong places. I mean, this is something that, it, that we know is true for children. We know it's true for teenagers, but this is just as important when you hit adulthood. I mean, think about your adult life. Some of the best things that have happened, happened to you have happened to you around your friends or have happened because, they're, because of a friend who talked you into something that you were hesitant about. I mean, some of you, you are married to the person that you're married to because a friend talked you into that first date that you were nervous about. Some of you, 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 you tried your now favorite restaurant because a good friend suggested it. Some of you, you made an investment that you were nervous about because a friend talked you into it and it paid big dividends and it paid big returns. Some of you guys, you made that one move in fantasy football because the person that you trusted most suggested swapping that no-name running back for the, in for that receiver in your flex spot and it won you the championship. It won you the league. And you're thinking, man, friends have incredible potential for good in our lives. Some of the best things that happen to us across the course 
course of life happen because of friends and because of the people that we listen to and the people that have influence in our lives. At the same time, you also know that the wrong friends can be an incredible force and an incredibly powerful, for, powerful force the other way. And that when a friend leads you or takes you down the wrong road, it typically doesn't just go a little wrong, it goes big wrong. Some of you, you went on that date that you don't like to talk about because of what happened at the end of it, because of, of the way that you felt, because of the creepy factor that you felt. You went on that date because of the influence of a friend. Some of you, you made an investment that went terrible because of a friend. Some of you, you bought a home because it was what all of your friends were doing. It seemed like it was that time of life. And while they could afford it, you couldn't. And the thing that was a blessing for them became a curse for you. Some of you, you started drinking with friends. And while you started with friends, it continued into, and it became a terrible pattern in your life. And it's done some real damage. Our friends have incredible power. Our friendships have incredible power for good and they have incredible power for bad across our lives. This is why what Solomon said about friendships and about the people that we spend time with makes so much sense and is worth paying so much attention to throughout our lives. Here's what he wrote in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. He said this, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Harm. Now I'm going to pack, unpack this, this, this verse because there's a lot in this tiny little proverb. That's kind of the value of a proverb. There's a lot, there's a lot in the proverb and we can unpack it for a little bit. Here's the first thing that, that I think is really interesting about what Solomon wrote. Solomon assumes that you will walk with someone, that no one really does life alone. And here's the thing, you might do a season of life where there's a little bit of loneliness, but you shouldn't walk through life alone. You were made for connection. You were made for community. You were made for close relationships. See, this is a big deal. And let me tell you who this is a really big deal in life for. This is for anyone going through a season of life, a transitional season of life. This is a big deal. This is a big deal because anytime you go through a life transition, relationships change. Anytime you go through a, 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 a transitional season of life, the nature of your relationships change and the nature of how easily they come to you, it changes. And so let me talk real quickly about a couple transition seasons. When you first get married, that's a big transitional season. When you have your first child, that's a big transitional season. When you move from college life to, to career life and to, towards, towards the marketplace and you no longer have that group of friends that's just automatic and for the first time in your life, you don't have an automatic peer group that's within three to four years of your age around you all the time. It's a big transition season. When you move to a new town, it's a big transition season. And when you move to a new town and you go through, through, the, or through these transitional seasons, what happens is the ease of relationships diminishes. It goes away. It, it, it diminishes in a big way. And what I hope that we can understand is that we have some choices when relationships no longer come as easy. You know, when you lived in that old town, relationships were easy and you had plenty of them. You come to a new town, you don't necessarily know anyone. You get married and, and some of those old relation, those relationships before you were married, when you were single, when you were engaged, they don't longer know exactly how they fit into your life as a married person. And so it changes. It's not as easy. It doesn't come as naturally. The ease and the naturalness of relationships changes. And friendships don't come as easy as they once did. And when friendships don't come as easily as they once did, we have a couple of choices. The first one is to embrace loneliness is to embrace loneliness, is to, is to stay lonely. That, well, I guess friendships aren't as easy any, anymore. I'll just stay lonely. 
That's just apparently the season of life that I'm going to be in. The second option is to embrace the easiest relationships. Whatever relationships are most convenient, that's now my relationship. These are my best friends. Why are they your best friends? Well, because they're the easiest. They're the ones, that they're, they're just the first people that said hi. They're the people at work. And so, you know, do I really like them? I don't know, but these are the people that I'm closest to. Or the third option is to actually be intentional about pursuing friendships with strong, healthy, positive people. See, in a transition season, you have to be intentional about cultivating solid friendships. This is a big deal. This Solomon doesn't say this specifically, but this is something that Solomon's alluding to, that you will walk with someone, that you were made to walk through life with someone. In a transition season, we often end up walking alone or walking through with just our spouse and there are some things with our spouse that we can't figure out or sometimes with our kids we get overwhelmed and we don't know who to turn to that you need to walk through these seasons with someone and because the nature of your relationships changes you need to be intentional to make sure that you are seeking out and building and developing and not letting those old solid friendships just die because they're no longer as easy and convenient you need to be intentional about choosing and pursuing and building strong relationships with strong, healthy, positive, intelligent people who love the Lord, who love you and who love your family and love your future. You need to be intentional and I need to be intentional about choosing relationships and friendships with those people. Not just the easy relationships, not just the loneliness that's so easy to embrace, but actually building relationships with people that love us and care for us and have what's best in mind for us. Now, the other big thing that I noticed that Solomon says is Solomon says that the, that our, the outcome or the consequences of our friendships or our relationships are not equal on all sides. Notice Solomon says the one who walks with the wise will become what? They'll become wise. In other words, your friends' strengths will rub off on you, that their wisdom will increase your wisdom, that their, that their wisdom will increase your wisdom, that you become wiser by proximity to wisdom. And the same thing is true about a lot of different positive aspects of life, that you become more encouraging by proximity to encouraging people, that you become more generous by proximity to generous people, that their strengths rub off on you. And that's a big deal. And that's important. That's why you should choose wise, encouraging, intelligent, strong, healthy friends, because their strengths will rub off on you. But what seems odd, though, is you would think that the counter would be true as well, that, that if you hang out with people, that their weaknesses would become your weaknesses as well, that, you're weak, that their weaknesses would rub off on you as well. And, that, and while that might be something that, that might be true, Solomon says that there's something that is a natural consequence, a natural outcome of, of, of our relationships, that when you hang out with people and you have weaknesses, you don't just get to have their weaknesses rub off on you. Their weaknesses lead you somewhere. And what actually happens is that we experience the outcome and the consequences of their weaknesses. That friends of fools don't become fools. Friends of fools suffer harm. That friends of fools don't naturally just become fools. Friends of fools suffer harm. Friends of fools end up on dangerous roads and in dangerous situations. Friends of fools end up with an empty bank account paying for the effects of someone else's foolishness. Friends of fools end up isolated and alone because of their choices that they didn't necessarily make. Friends of fools, by proximity, feel the full weight of their friend's foolishness. And for all of these reasons, Solomon would tell you, and I'm telling you, 
you need some restraints in the area of your friendships. You need some restraints in the area of the people who are closest to you and the voices that you listen to most and the people that have the biggest influence on you. So that friendship, this thing that God created, this thing that God called good, this thing that God created to be a force for good, doesn't accidentally and actually turn out to be a thing that leads you down the wrong roads into some dangerous places. So let's talk about some restraints worth having. Now, so, some of these are going to have some, some real basis in Scripture. Others of these are things that are just plain wise and are things that your mama would have told you. But these are some things that if you've never thought about restraints in the area of your friendships in relation to the voices and the, and the influences that you pay most attention to, these are some things worth paying attention to. Here's the first restraint. I refuse to be influenced by people who normalize unhealthy behavior. I refuse to be influenced by people who normalize unhealthy behavior. See, there are a hundred different versions of this, and it's usually so subtle when it happens, and it's so subtle when you hear it that you don't necessarily think they're normalizing unhealthy behavior because we miss it while it's actually happening because it's so subtle, but you've been around this, and so have I. Here's what it sounds like. Well, no one tells their spouse everything. I mean, come on, come on. Everyone has secrets. No one listens to everything their parents say. I mean, for, for, come on, forget your diet. Any day can be a cheat day. I mean, look, everyone plagiarizes a little bit here and there. I mean, yeah, no one should drive drunk, but I mean, come on, people can drive buzzed. Everyone has an occasional work flirt. Come on, don't, don't you should feel guilty about that. It's okay to look as long as you don't act. Everyone uses credit cards. If you didn't use a credit card every once in a while, you'd never go anywhere fun or do anything fun. I mean, come on, everyone does it. See, these phrases and a hundred others like them are ultimately people trying to justify their own destructive behavior and their own inability to live up to their own standards. And I'm just saying, there are a lot of ways to ruin life, and there's an industry designed to market all of those ways to you, and it's not that hard to tune out some of those messages, but when these messages are coming from people that you spend enough time around, and when these messages are consistently coming from people that you're around day after day after day, night after night after night, eating meals with, spending time with after work, when these messages are coming from those people, it gets harder and harder to ignore, and I'm telling you, eventually you will hear yourself repeating these lines, and once you once you hear yourself repeating repeating and thinking these lines, it is only a matter of time until you cross the line. And you're actually acting out the behavior that you once thought and you still know is unhealthy. And because you need to, because you want to stay on the, on the, on the side of the line that you have already decided you are on, these are some relationships that maybe when you hear someone normalizing or rationalizing or justifying unhealthy behavior because that's what they have already chosen, maybe, just maybe, that's a relationship that you need to dial down the influence of how, or the level of how much influence they have in your life. That's the first restraint. Number two is this. I refuse to lie to the people that I love most about who I spend time with and what we do. So here's the thing, if you ever find yourself feeling like you need to lie or withhold the truth about who you're spending time with because you know that your spouse thinks that person is a negative influence, that temptation to lie should be your second indicator that that person might actually just be a negative influence on you. Right after the fact that your spouse 
thinks they're a negative impact or a negative influence on you. That if, that if you ever feel the need to like, well, I'm, I love my wife, I care about her, but my wife thinks this person is a negative, a negative influence, but she's just being a negative Nelly. Like if you ever think that, like, well, I just won't tell my wife that, that I was spending time around this person. I'm just telling you, the first sign, the first indicator that that person is a negative influence in your life should have been that your wife thinks they're a negative influence. If, if that's not enough, the fact that you feel the need to lie about it should be enough to tell you everything you need to know. If you find yourself having to get creative in the ways that you talk to your kids about what you were doing the night before because what you were doing with your friends is something that you would never want them to think is okay to do with their friends, that's a pretty good sign that you're spending time with people who are leading you to participate in things that you don't think are okay. So if you ever find yourself in this weird place of, man, if, if I were to actually tell the truth, I know they'd be upset or I know that I'd be sending a message that I don't want to send. I'm, I'm just telling you, it's time to re-examine whether or not that relationship is worth the cost of having to lie to your wife, to lie to your husband, lie to your parents, lie to your kids. And I'm just telling you, there is nothing that is worth that cost because you cannot just buy back integrity. You cannot just buy back your word. When you have crossed that line, you can't just uncross it and walk back like everything's okay. And so when you feel tempted to, to lie or to, to withhold the truth about who you're spending time with or who you've been around and what you've been doing, that should be an indicator that you need to cross the line back before something happens that you can't take back. Third restraint is this. I refuse to pretend that I'm someone I'm not to impress another person. See, this is something I think we all agree about this, and then most of us go out in life and we all do this. We pretend to be something that we're not, we pretend that we're okay with things that we're not okay so that we can impress people and have a good time around people that do the things that we think are not okay. So here's why, here's why this one matters. It's not because you shouldn't be around friends who you have to try to impress. In fact, sometimes that can actually help you become a better version of yourself if, what the, if, if the people that you're trying to impress, if you're trying to impress them by doing things that are good for the world around you and, do, and, and are good for people in your life and that you, like when you come home from spending time with them, your wife is like, man, you're just in a better mood. You're, you're much more encouraging. You're much more positive. It's like you're actually willing to you know, in, invest in, and, 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 and you know, have, have a good relationship. If, if that's the case, you know, spend more and more and more time with those people who you, have to, who you have to impress by becoming a better version of yourself. I'm talking about the people where you have to cross a line and pretend that you are okay with something that you are not okay with in order to make them think that you are something that you are not. But when you start pretending, here's why. When you start pretending, it's only a matter of time until pretending stops and the person you were pretending to be is the person that you are. And so if you ever find yourself having to pretend some things are okay with you in order to be around some people, it's time to examine that relationship and whether or not that relationship is worth compromising your boundaries and crossing your restraints and violating the things, violating your conscience, violating the things that you know, or you grew up believing, or maybe the things that you decided a long time ago, this is not okay for me. When you find yourself in that position, it's time to reevaluate whether or not that relationship is worth crossing your convictions. Restraint number four is this. I refuse to discard a friend who speaks difficult truth. I refuse to discard a friend 
who speaks a difficult truth. Proverbs 27, 6, Solomon, who wrote what we read earlier, he wrote this, The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. See, Solomon is saying this, Some people give plenty of compliments and only say positive things to you. And they're fun to have around. I mean, these, these, these complimenters, these people who have n- nothing negative to say to you, they are fun to have around. But they're not really your friends. But when someone cares about you enough to have those awkward, uncomfortable, truth-telling conversations... Solomon says, that's a person that's a real friend. That's a person worth keeping around because they care enough about you to have really uncomfortable conversations. And see, our temptation, mine, yours, everyone that ever lives, our temptation is to surround ourselves with the complimenters and to shut out the uncomfortable truth tellers. To say, I don't need that negative energy around me. I don't, I don't, I don't need that negativity in my life. I mean, when, like, they wanted to talk about stuff that I just don't think is a big deal. And they seem to think it was a big deal. I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. So I'll just shut them out. I'll turn down the level of their influence. Turn up the level of, of the people who just say, I'm doing awesome and say I'm a queen and say, like, and, and say, and say you know, all the stuff that makes me feel really, really, really good about everything that I've been doing. But here's the thing. You need more of the people who tell you the uncomfortable truth. You need that person in your life far more then you need the person who gives you compliments about everything that you say and everything that you do. You do. You need a lot more, hey, bro, come on, come on, come on, come on, than you do someone going, oh my gosh, you're so savage. You need a lot more, hey, you're better than that, than oh my gosh, what a queen. Like every one of us, we need the people who will actually tell us the truth that we need to hear much more than, than we need the people who will compliment and encourage and affirm every single thing about us. So let's make the decision that we will never give in to that temptation to to discard and to turn down the level of influence of the people that actually care enough about us that when they see the truth and they know it's going to be uncomfortable and they know it's going to be awkward and they know it's going to be difficult, that when they have those conversations, we do not shut them out, but we actually dial the level of their influence up because it's worth having because they are real friends. And the final restraint is this. I will strive to be the friend that the friends I'm looking for are looking for. I will strive to be the friend that the friends I'm looking for are looking for. In Proverbs 18.24, Solomon also wrote this. He said, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Must himself be friendly. He says, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He's saying this, that someone who wants friends needs to actually be friendly. This is a big deal. This is one of the first times in human history that someone referenced what's become known as the law of attraction. And the law of attraction says this, in life, you will not attract what you want. You will attract what you are. You will not attract what you want. You will attract what you are, and you will attract what you are actively striving to be. In the context of friendship, Solomon is abundantly clear. If you're mean and rude and ornery and disrespectful and dishonest, you can hope 
and pray and wish and dream, but you probably won't attract the kind of friendships that you are hoping to attract. And you won't attract friendships with the type of people that you actually want to have around. At some point along the way, if you want friends, if you don't want to stay lonely, and if you don't want to just settle for the easy, convenient relationships that happen around the workplace and, and all that, at some point, if you want to have good, healthy, strong, positive healthy relationships with healthy people, with positive people, with Jesus-loving people. You have to seek them out and you may actually have to make some changes to your nature to make yourself a person that is worth being a friend with. At some point along the way, if you want meaningful friends, you actually have to be friendly. If you want encouraging friends, you might have to work to be an encouraging person. If you want honest friends, you might just need to work to become a more honest person. If you want friends who don't gossip about you, guess what? This is, this is, I mean, whoa. You might actually have to work in your own life to refuse to gossip about others. If you want friends who speak life and help you grow in your connection with God, you've got to be willing to be a person who speaks life and helps other people grow in their connection with God. If those are the things that you're looking for in a friend, let me just say this. It might be worth examining your own life and asking the question, am I the friend that the friends that I'm looking for are actually looking for because this is what I want and I won't just attract what I want and I won't just attract the type of people that I want. I will actually attract what I am and what I'm striving to become. So I want to be the friend that the friends that I'm looking for are looking for. So here's, here, here's the thing. You were created for community. You were created for connection. You were created for closeness with other people. You were created for companionship. You were created for friendship. It is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for you to be alone. It is not good for me to be alone. Friendship is an amazing thing, and it has potential for incredible good if we'll approach our, our, our friendships in a healthy way, and it has potential for real harm if we choose easy and convenient friendships. So because it has that potential, I want to teach you a prayer to pray. I want, I want to teach you a prayer that, that, I, that I think might just be something that helps you and helps me to help us get on the right page and help us to keep a godly mindset when it comes to our friendships and keep our, our eyes open and our ears open and our hearts open to the people that God wants in our lives and to, and to actually reduce the level of influence for the people that maybe God would want us to reduce the level of influence in our lives. So here's the prayer that I would love to teach us all to pray. Here's the prayer. God, give me the wisdom to recognize the right friends in my life. God, give me the wisdom to recognize the right friends in my life and give me courage to run from the wrong ones. That sounds like such a simple prayer. But God, give me the courage, give me the wisdom to recognize the right friends in my life. God, that when you bring someone in my life and, and, and they're one of the right voices and one of the healthy people and one of the strong people and one of the people that will help me grow closer and closer and closer to you, help me to recognize that and lean into it with everything I've got. And God, when there's a relationship or a person that you've brought into my life and there's someone that I should actually run from and they're a person that I should actually diminish the level of influence and they're a person that I shouldn't be spending big amounts of time with, God, give me the courage that when it's easy and when it's convenient and when it's natural but it's not healthy, that I would have the courage to run from that. God, give me the wisdom to recognize the right friends in my life and give me the courage to run 
from the wrong ones. In other words, God, you created me with a desire for connection and for companionship and for closeness with other people and for connection. Like you, you created me with all of those things. And God, I want those, those desires that you've placed in me, I want all of that to lead me toward the goodness that you designed friendship to be. So God, give me wisdom to see the right people, to see the people that will lead me to the things that you created friendship for. And God, while we're at it, would you give me the courage that when I see that a person is not the person that I'm supposed to be spending a lot of time with, when I see that there's someone that shouldn't have a lot of influence in my life, when I see that there's someone who's leading me in some wrong directions or would, would lead me to cross some boundaries or some convictions or, or, or violate my own conscience, help me to run from that. And God, while we're at it, while we're at it, would you help me to be a person that no one ever has to run from? Help me to be the person that, that other people are drawn to. And God, would you use the fact that people are drawn to me to draw others to you? See, that's a prayer that I believe God always honors. And I think that's a prayer that God always answers. So let's step up in the areas of our friendships. Let's choose some restraints. Let's choose a prayer. Let's choose to pursue what God would have for us. Let's pursue godly relationships and godly influence in our relationships and in our friendships so that God can do in us and God can do through us everything that he has planned for us. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you created every one of us for connection. Thank you that you created us for community and you created us for closeness. Thank you that friendship is part of your plan. And God, I thank you for this wisdom that we read today, that God, while we know friendship has incredible potential to lead us towards good or to lead us towards some danger, God, I thank you that you have a plan and that you have given us the wisdom to help us to choose good, to help us to choose good, godly, healthy, positive, strong people in our lives. God, help us when we're in a season where life is changing and life is transitioning and life is moving, help us to choose wisely so that we, that we, we would be intentional about choosing good people and investing to build solid relationships with good people. God, help us to know the difference when there's, when, there's, when there's good people and when there's people that will lead us to some dangerous places. God, help us to choose wisely in those areas. And God, ultimately, would you give us the wisdom to know where we're supposed to land with what we've just read? Give us the courage to actually put some restraints in place in our own lives so that we can honor you with our friendships and so that we can lead other people to you with our lives. We love you, God, and we pray this all in Jesus' strong name. Amen.